We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of the Roar Podcast. John Ellis joined by Billy Marshall. Boy, we got a lot to get to. Some breaking news in the world of the National Football League. A trade has commenced. If you haven't heard already, what rock you been under? You've been with Aaron Rodgers at a darkness retreat? Carolina Panthers now own the first overall pick in this year's draft. They're on the clock to break it all down. We're here for the next hour. I'm John Ellis. Here's my buddy Billy Marshall to kick off this edition of the Roar Podcast on Blue Wire. Welcome back to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. I am your host, Billy Marshall, and as always, joined by my co-host, John Ellis, and here to break down some breaking news, and it's been a couple weeks since our last podcast, so hello, John, how are you? Hey, what's up, Billy? How you doing, man? Welcome back. Uh, I guess to both of us here, it's been a minute, but when there's uh, breaking news like this, we got to get to it. So, yeah, what a trade. Panthers move all the way up to number one, and uh, DJ Moore is no longer a Panther, so we got to dive into it, man. Uh, I want to hear your opinion first on this trade, and we'll break down all angles of it. Um, obviously, I had some opinions yesterday that upset a lot of people on twitter <laughs> so i am going to try to um you know stay a little open-minded as one might say mm-hmm. on this trade and how it could potentially benefit carolina and i certainly think it has its upsides uh maybe i was focusing on the downsides a little too much uh, but I just want to get your perspective first because you've been able to digest this. Uh, it's been, I don't know how long, like 18, 19 hours since the trade was reported. So go for it, John. Well, it was uh, it was stunning. I wouldn't say it's shocking. There's a difference between something to me that's shocking and stunning. Shocking is like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. Uh, nowhere on the planet Earth that I see this happening. I saw this happening at some point. I think there was a good buzz growing. Uh, You know, our good friend E.J. Snyder, who does a great job with Brett Coleman, was on my show on Fox Sports Upstate yesterday, literally at 5 p.m. And the news broke around, I think, 5.15 from Rappaport and Schefter that this trade went down. And we were just, you know, shooting the shit basically about uh, the Bears. And, you know, E.J. said, hey, look, there is smoke there. The Bears are very close to closing in on a deal probably with Carolina. But nowhere in this equation, I think the stunning part is, I figured, and even on the show, after he got off the air, I mentioned a couple of guys, DJ Moore, Brian Burns. 
that could be included in a trade to move up to number one if you wanted to save your trade assets. And sure enough, DJ Moore is out the door along with, uh, I believe it's, uh, I'll have to pull up the chart here, it's the pick for next year in the first round. It's also this year's 61st pick. I believe there's an additional pick in 25 they're sending away. So it's a lot. I mean, I'll give you my initial reaction on it. The Panthers, there was some reporting done. And look, I, I think the people who did the reporting on this are giving you the honest assessment of what they're hearing. But to me, you don't make this move unless you have one or maybe two guys in mind. So this idea that maybe they'll maneuver back in the draft, where? Where would they maneuver back? I That part I don't get, so I don't know what that's about. But I think, <clears throat> look, they got to have a strong conviction about either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. That's how I see it. I don't think you move up to number one overall for Richardson. I like him. I like his upside. I don't think this team is doing that. And I certainly don't think it's for Will Levis. I hope not. I know the reports out there about the owner being in love and infatuated with Will Levis. I'm still trying to make sense of that. And I don't hate I I don't <laughs> I don't hate any of these quarterbacks. This is the where the people get it conflicted. I think even with you yesterday with some of your tweets, people get the idea that you hate the Panthers or you hate these quarterbacks. No, it's not that. You gotta look at the complete picture. They gave up, if you look at the draft chart, the equivalent of basically two additional first round picks when you count number nine when you give up a DJ Moore. This is a guy they drafted in twenty eighteen. They've groomed him, they've developed him. They've refined his route running over two different regimes, over how many different quarterbacks. But clearly the new coach and the new OC and the new group there saw him as expendable when it came to moving up to number one. So it's a lot to digest. I'm glad we took 18 hours and took a breath because honestly, I had a full plate last night. I wanted to do an emergency pod, but it just I needed some time to let this sink in because Moore's been one of my favorite guys on this team and it sucks to see him go. But he's exactly what Justin Fields needs, Billy, as you chronicled last night. He's a vertical threat. He can be a deep ball kind of guy for Justin Fields, who is a great vertical passer. And he can also be let, you know, we talked about that F position within offenses. He can move around. He's a chess piece. So the Bears got really rich just now. Now the Panthers, you better not mess this one up. I mean, they've been swinging big for quarterbacks. It's time to get it right. Yeah, for sure. And I also think DJ Moore fits in with the identity of that city too. Um, you talk about a guy who, you know, plays off contact well. He's a bully, a battering ram. Yep. Um, there's a lot of blue collar traits to his game, even though he's a wide receiver, which probably isn't a blue collar position uh to some people. But let me just get back to something that you and I discussed back in like October. If you remember, Jay Glazer reported that the Packers were willing to give up a first round pick for DJ Moore. And at the time I was like, yeah, that is a trade you should probably make. Uh, but I also realized at the time that green Bay was picking top 10. Uh, eventually I think they're picking like somewhere in the teens. I don't know where they're picking. Um, I don't know where green Bay is picking right now in the draft. I don't have it in front of me, but uh, they're picking in the teens. So what I was trying to get across at that time was a couple of things. The first thing was if you were going to go and commit to a full style rebuild, then yeah, you should be trading pretty much everyone and you should just commit to um, losing. I know that sucks to say, but there are consequences for some of the games that you won at the end of the year. Those consequences were 
exhibited in the price you had to pay to move up to number one. Um, but I'll get back to that in a second. And, and so what I was trying to express at the time was get as much assets as you can, really rebuild, start anew, and figure out how you're going to proceed. And they did a pretty good job of maximizing the return for Christian McCaffrey. I don't think anyone could deny that. Uh, but I also felt like at the time that if you weren't going to trade DJ Moore and Brian Burns, like fair enough, then if that's not the decision you go towards, then figure out a way to move up in the draft. And they did. Now, here's the issue. When the season ended, you're, they're picking ninth overall because they won all of those games at the end of the year. And again, I'm not going to sit here and relitigate whether it was worth it to win those games or not. But when you're picking ninth overall and you have, uh, you're not in charge of the draft and you're picking behind, I don't know how many teams that need QBs, whether it's Houston, Indianapolis, potentially Seattle, potentially Detroit, potentially Atlanta, potentially Las Vegas. You're not in charge of anything. And if you're in that position and you already have a wide receiver one, I don't think anyone can disagree with the fact that DJ Moore is a wide receiver one. So if you have that and you are going to make a trade up, then I think that you should be doing everything in your power to surround this rookie quarterback with as much talent as possible. And the inverse part of what I was trying to get at back in October was that if I felt like if they didn't have DJ Moore on this team, that their own pick would be somewhere in the top five. And you already have an additional first round pick um, at the expense of trading DJ Moore. And you could address that by drafting one of you know the wide receiver. I know this is a weak wide receiver class, but you could still probably take one of the top guys in that position, whether it's, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba or uh, Addison or whoever you feel like. That's what I'm trying to say. Or even if you wanted a tight end. Right. Ultimately, they didn't go through with that and they had to include DJ Moore in this package. And for me, I just strongly believe that in order for a rookie quarterback to have success, especially one that I don't feel like is in the same uh, stratosphere as the some of the other like general or transcendent QB prospects of the past, then you should be doing everything you can to surround that QB with as much talent as possible. And I certainly believe that this offensive line is a good starting point. Uh, but I also think that you have to give him the resources at this skill position. And again, I understand right now it's March 11th. Nothing has the league year hasn't begun. There's still opportunity and free agency in the draft. Yeah. Um, my position is this, John, I have seen the free agent class and I've seen the wide receiver draft class and uh, given where they are currently picking, um, I feel like I'm not sure you're going to get the type of return you're looking for. Uh, at the wide receiver position in 39th overall. And, and maybe I'm wrong. And again, I, I sent a tweet out during the combine that this was one of the worst wide receiver classes that I personally have ever watched. And, and again, I've only been watching this since 2011. So it's not like I've been doing this for like 30 years or anything, uh, but that, that was just my opinion. And, and again, ultimately that's all I'm trying to provide is just my opinion. I, you and I, John, we are just like everyone else on Twitter. We're not paid six figures to go on national television to give our opinion. 
Uh, we're certainly not employed by an NFL team. Right. Uh, and you and I have this platform to give up, you know, uh, provide our takes. And that's what we have done. And so I personally, again, I go back to Cam Newton in 2011. I mean, he had a very good foundation around him. Um, even Joe Burrow, who a lot of people deemed as a generational quarterback, I don't really agree that he was, but he was very good. Um, look at the talent that he had. They drafted T Higgins 33rd overall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they draft, they had Joe Mixon already. They had Tyler Boyd. So, and, it, and ultimately it was a rough year for Burrow, his rookie year. I mean, he had some decent signs, but at the end of the day, like they still were picking in the top five and they had to draft Jamar Chase. Now Carolina isn't going to have that opportunity uh, because of the draft capital that they parted ways with. So again, I, I think it was, the price was necessary to move up. I just question why they had to do it um, and include DJ Moore. That's just my only consternation with this move. I, I want to know what the competition scale was out there. And, and that that's something I've yet to see reported. And I'm sure at some point that'll come to light. But who else was, was it the Raiders? Was it the Colts? Were there other teams in the mix here, the Falcons, that were looking to move up? Because... Look, when you go all into number one, I mean, you have to say to yourself, like I said earlier, no, there's not, and I think the team had said this or some variation of this, that the Frank Reich and Scott Fitter have convictions about several quarterbacks or at least a couple. I don't necessarily buy that. I think they, they have one guy in mind, maybe two, and that's it. Otherwise, you, you, you want to control the draft. I get that. But at what cost? And as a, a scout that you and I both know who's worked in this league, I texted him this morning and I said, so what do you think of the trade? And here's his response. I love it for Chicago, but who does the new quarterback in Carolina throw to now? And this is with multiple question marks. Offense is going to look like the Titans if they don't add a vet at wide receiver who can get open. And I, I think that's part of the concern. And I think you even chronicled this. With, I mean, at least the Titans had Derek Henry. You don't even have a well, running back. That's the it's thing. Cuba Hubbard's the only thing. We have Hubbard, and, and Foreman's not under contract. And I guess Foreman is kind of like Derek Henry light, but still, there's no comparison. Derek what Henry, are you hearing on that? Do you expect him to be back? I, I think there's a good chance he'll be back. I think that they like him a lot in that building. Campen is back, of course, and he has experience in that scheme with that offensive line with Foreman there. Uh, You know, Thomas Brown obviously is going to have a heavy dose of input here. It's going to be interesting. I can't say definitively he'll be back, but you start looking at what the options are there. I mean, they're not going to trade for Derrick Henry. I know that's been mentioned. They've already, you know, shot their wad there in terms of trade capital. So that ain't happening. And I don't see DeAndre Hopkins happening either, to be clear. They can't. I mean, that's the thing. Once you make this move, that's the first people I I said last night. Here's some names to look out for. And, of course, I brought up the usual suspects, Adam Thielen. I brought up the fact that Van Jefferson could be available. His dad is the wide receivers coach now. Brought up the fact that Paris Campbell, a guy that they can move into the slot and can be very effective there and has speed. It's not going to be an all-star cast, I don't think. It's going to be a collection of guys. Odell, look, they read his workout. I get that. That might happen. Who knows? But who are you going to throw to? Right now under contract, it's Chenault, it's um, Shai Smith, and it's Terrace Marshall. And there's still a lot to be proven there with all three of those guys. We know what Chenault is. He has high value, but he's not going to do anything on the boundary vertically. Nothing. He, this guy is a he's a Swiss Army knife. Nice player. I like the value he gives the team. I also like Terrace Marshall. A lot of what he's done on the boundary has been first down production, but it's a minimal sample size. 
So I'm concerned about the receiver position right now. I am. I think that's what you got to look at. Now, is DJ Moore a, a number one? Yeah, I agree with you. You, you. Phrase it however you want. Look at it however you want. A lot of people jumped on your case, and I'll come to your defense on this. That, well, Billy, you said his route running sucked. You, you said this and that. On this podcast, for the two and a half years we've done it, I've never heard Billy Marshall say DJ Moore's route running sucks. I've heard you know very critical analysis when it comes to nuanced things about his route running that can improve, and I think you've been fair enough to say over the years – it has improved. He has become more refined in that department. But what he is for this team, what he has been, is like you said, he's tough, he's physical, he's a presence, he's played with multiple quarterbacks, he's had no continuity there, and all of a sudden, he's off the books. He's He's gone. He's a vertical threat, too. He's a good contested catcher. So I don't know what they do. I think tight end is something to look out for. You know, we were talking with Matt Bowen not too long ago. I was chatting with him and in advance of him writing an article for ESPN.com. He popped me the question. He said, what do you think about Gusecki in Carolina? And I said, I don't know. I mean, there's some inconsistency there to his game, but if they're going to detach him from the formation and put him out there in the wide position, you know, detached, yeah, I think he could be very good in this offense. And so he did his write-up and, and sort of reflected. He didn't take my comments. I think he was just trying to get a sense from the local beat. Hey, what do you think about Gasecki? Would he fit well? And I think that's something you look at, too. There's some good tight ends in this draft. Maybe they get a guy in the second round that can be a, a nice security blanket, if not more, for a rookie quarterback. But it's going to be interesting to see what it comes down to in terms of who they prefer. I just think, you know, there's a lot of smoke about Richardson, and I like him a lot. But I don't think you move all the way up to one and give up all this for Anthony Richardson. I just don't. I think that'd be irres- irresponsible. I just do. I like him a lot. I just think he could have been had at three. Yeah, and, and that's the thing with me right now, John, is like, um, why did this trade have to be made today or yesterday? Excuse me. So clearly there's some reporting that, uh, that suggests that Chicago really wanted DJ Moore and they weren't going to do the trade without him. Okay, fair enough. Now, there's this other line of thinking that you have to do this trade, you have to do this trade. But and my my whole thing is this. Why do you have to do this? Like, yeah. I go back to 2020 draft, and yeah, I know there were some interesting circumstances, but there were still trades that went on in that year. Like, it, it, it yeah, just because it was a virtual draft doesn't mean um, that there weren't other issues or there weren't, it wasn't like a nor- normal draft, but there were still some uh, trades that went on. Yeah. And so when I, when I say that, it's, the Chargers, they stood pat the entire time. And the only quarterback they had under contract was Tyrod Taylor. They had just lost Phillip Rivers in free agency. And Tyrod was the only guy that they had under contract. And what did they do? They just stood pat. They just were patient. And they allowed to, the board to fall to them. And ultimately, they got Justin Herbert. Um, and, and the same thing with the Dolphins, for that matter. And they were hot on Tua, Tua's case for a couple years. Uh, I know one... So they started their rebuilding in 2018. They really wanted um, Tua over Burrow. But we didn't even know how good Burrow could be after, uh, at least before the 2019 year. And what I'm trying to say here is that like the patience is a good virtue in in these type of situations. And so there's certainly like a valid reason to just go up to one and you pick whoever you want. Uh, but I also think that this quarterback class, and you and I have mentioned this several times, is we don't see a transcendent 
talent. I yeah. certainly believe I agree. that Bryce Young has the best tape, but it's absolutely fair to mention his size. Like, and it's not just the fact that he's not going to, he does a good job of avoiding sacks, but getting hit body blows. Those are things that matters, especially for a guy who plays like in the one nineties and one eighties. His frame. I've talked to two different scouts about this and it's like, there's not a scout I talk to that doesn't bring up frame. First of all, the height is a concern. I mean, good, like 5'10 and a quarter, I guess it was. But, I mean, he's having to take a week off from the combine and just eat pizza rolls for two weeks to get to 200. I, I hit, that's not a true 200. That's a guy that comes in under 200 for me. And you're right. You got guys coming off the edge and screaming in in the A-B gaps that are you know, 240, 250 monsters. You saw what happened to Tua. I mean, he got flung around. Like a rag doll, and I'm worried about Bryce Young in this league. I agree with you. He's a magician in the pocket. He's incredible with anticipation. But I, if you move all the way up to one for Bryce Young, that concerns me if that's their plan. I mean, I'm fine with. To be clear, I would be fine with Bryce Young. He I'd is my quarterback one. Yeah, but to, to give up. I all agree that, with you though. Yeah, I agree. Like I would not have given up all of this draft capital for any, let me just, I wouldn't have given it up for any of them. Okay. Now there's certainly now this narrative uh, that at least, well, I don't know if it's a narrative as much as it's a momentum, at least just from the reporting that CJ Stratus, who they prefer. There's some betting markets. I don't really pay attention to those because the betting markets this time last year had uh, Aiden Hutchinson, number one overall, like a, like minus a very heavy favorite, let's just say. Uh, so I really don't care about what the betting market thinks at this point. I'll pay attention to that stuff in April. Um, but here's what I'm trying to kind of convey uh, with what we're kind of you know discussing here. And it's how do we build the rest of the football team given the draft assets and the talent of DJ Moore that they just gave away what do you how would you go about this and I, i've heard names like paris campbell and Mequel Hartman. look i liked I, I don't even know if i liked him that much coming out of ohio state i thought he was an okay prospect and uh but i mean the guy is i mean the first three years of his career he was had serious injury he been up on injury reserve uh Mikul hardman missed I don't know how many games he missed last year due to injury. And, and there's a reason why the agency, it's yep. because they didn't perform at the level that is required. Like it's a bit different. If you go back last free agency and you look at some of the wide receivers that were available, like uh, Kirk and Robinson, or um, uh, what's the guy's name who, uh, I forget the name, he played a thing for the Dolphins. Um, oh, geez, I'm drawing a but, blank. Hold on. I'm with you. I know who you're talking Cedric about. Cedric Wilson. He yeah, didn't Cedric Wilson. play well. Yeah. But like Cedric Wilson would be one of the better wide receiver um, free agents that is in this class. And so people mention that they're going to have a ton of cap room in 2024. And they mention all these receivers who will be available like T. Higgins, et cetera, et cetera. Look, if, if they're able to land those guys and T. Higgins and company don't sign extensions by their respective teams, and sure, I think those would be outstanding additions, but um, I'll believe those guys are available when I see it, and it's way too premature to be uh, projecting who is and isn't going to be available in that class. Like The NFL just uh, it moves quickly, and those guys could also get franchised and traded. Ultimately, here's my question. How do you build a football team now with the lack of skilled talent patiently 
I, I think you have to concede to a certain degree, and I, I hope this owner, you know, I, you hear mixed reviews about patience, impatience, patience. I, I don't know what to make of that. I, I I like a lot of what they've done in this offseason. I'll start by saying that. We had a podcast, I think it was the last one we did, we did a full overview of the staff they built, and I think it's great. I think what they put together staffing-wise is outstanding. But let, let's face it. There are guys on this staff that are getting long in the tooth, and they're not going to be around for a while. Caldwell comes to mind. I mean, hell, Frank Reich is in his 60s. He'll be around for a while. He's got a four-year contract. But I would be patient with it. I, I, you have to understand, if you're going to go this high and draft a quarterback, look at the track record here. Look at the, the Jacksonville Jags. Now, I know they had Urban Meyer, but they struggled out of the gate with their rookie. He had struggles. He had his own stumbles. Joe Burrow had issues, not only staying healthy, but, you know, Zach Taylor. There were people, including myself, that called Zach Taylor out. As I just don't know if this is a bona fide coach. Turns out I was dead wrong on that. And Burrow, my analysis on him was not as good as he's turned out to be. I, I thought he'd be a very fine quarterback, but not to this point. But I don't know what you're going to get in terms of quarterback. That's the first thing. I have no idea who they're going to get. And second of all, I think it's just sort of piecing together – on short deals, guys that can help this quarterback develop. But I guess a little bit, I don't know. You, you talked about this last night. The luxury Newton had when he came in in 2011, people were like, oh, Cam had nothing. Cam had some good people on that team. He had two bona fide tight ends with Shockey and Olsen, okay? One of whom is probably going to be a Hall of Famer. The other, you know, has had some. They had <laughs> yeah. Steve Smith, a, a Hall of Fame wide receiver. They had a Hall of Fame potential center in Ryan Khalil. They had a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle in Jordan Gross. Uh, Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams. Travell Wharton was a good left guard. Yes, they did. They had they had some good pieces there. And that's what was amazing about that, not to get off on a tangent, but that 2010 team, that might have been the most loaded, bad team I've ever seen because there were some there were some Hall of Fame Pro Bowl caliber guys on that 2010 team that had to suffer through the fact that they had no quarterback. And John Fox, lame duck. There was a lot of holes in that team, too. But, I mean, look, you look at the free agents available. Um, it, it's it's stacked with number two guys. It's DJ Chark. It's Adam Thielen. It's Marvin Jones. Maybe Julio comes around for one more spin. Hell, we've been having, adding, you know, 70-year-old assistant coaches. Why not take a stab at a 34-year-old wide receiver? Jacoby Myers. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster. I, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 just names out there that don't excite me. But I think that's what they're going to do. I think they try to add a bona fide number one tight end, somebody who can threaten the seam and be a good influence for a rookie quarterback because that's the, the blueprint with all these rookies. You need to have a safety valve and outlet and somebody who can challenge the seams. And then, you know, you add maybe one or two veterans to, to play receiver. Maybe it's Paris Campbell. Maybe, like you said, it's McCole Hardman, but he's only 24 and he's already dealt with his share of injuries. And I'm not sure that's going to come, you know, extremely cheap. So I just think you'd be responsible here. You'd lean on the fact that your staff is a very good staff. They know how to put together competent game plans in the NFL. That's just the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, there's some things they've got to address too. We don't know what the status is of Shaq Thompson. Uh, look, he's currently 10% of the cap hit this year. That's by far the highest. You've still got to figure out how to pay Brian Burns because he's going to want his contract pretty soon. And that's another point of contention. A lot of people suggested that, hey, if you're going to deal somebody, let it be Burns and not more. I brought that question up yesterday. I like both those guys, but they obviously in Chicago wanted somebody to be 
the guy with Justin Fields. The, Chicago needs everything. They're the one team that you look at their roster, they need a little bit of everything. So they got what they could get there. I don't know. I just think – I don't want to be general with this answer, but that's just how I do it. I mean, look, when you're adding a, a rookie quarterback with the first overall pick, presumably they keep that pick. This notion they're going to move down out of it. Where are you going to move to? Wow. Yeah, that, no, that, that narrative needs – I don't know – whatever I'm, I'll, and i'm not look the people that reported i'm not blaming them they're reporting what they're hearing oh but it, it definitely came from someone within the team because mm-hmm. i just every single beat reporter reported the same thing at the same time so, so i don't yeah i, mean, I don't buy that i mean it, i just don't i don't know who you are. I, I think you always look for the people that are connected somehow to 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 the people that are in this staff um or even frank reich and I, paris campbell just keeps coming to mind as a guy that you know played under frank reich do I think he's a wonderful player? I don't think he's a number one receiver by any means. He's played 80% of his snaps in the slot. So he's a nice piece. He's got good speed. I think you add guys like that, and you hope Marshall can blossom. But they've got to get better production out of tight end position in this offense, and I think they're going to look big there, either the draft, maybe with their second uh, pick. Um, or, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in free agency. I don't know. I mean, it's Dalton Schultz has been brought up. I, I think that's a name to look out for. Um We'll see, but I think people need to accept the fact, fans do, that as excited as they are about this coaching staff, you, you think this division is a dumpster fire. That can turn in a heartbeat. You've talked about Arthur Smith, the job he's done down there in Atlanta. I think they're on the cusp if they keep spending responsibly, which they've had to do, to be a 10-win team. I think New Orleans, look, whatever you think about Derek Carr, and I'm, I'm satisfied the Panthers didn't go after Carr, although I think the contract was fair, relatively fair. I think... They're primed if Dennis Allen can start coaching up to a higher level and get that offense moving. Their defense can be good, but their clock's running out a little bit. Tampa, I I think it's a bit of a mess right now with the cap with Brady gone. But that division's not exactly going to be every single year. You can't rely on all eight wins, nine wins will get you in. So fans need to understand this year, look, you take a quarterback number one overall, very rarely does it translate into, oh, 12, 13 wins and off we go. You got to be patient, man. And I hate to say that, but um, when you choose this route and you're going backwards in terms of skill position, you're going backwards in terms of future first overall pair, first number, first round picks, I should say, you got to be prepared. Scott Fitter, let's see if this works. I mean, look, he's not out of the doghouse. I like Scott, but these are aggressive moves that we're making here. And if it doesn't translate over the next two or three years to success, all Frank Reich is doing now is training this quarterback for the next guy. That's what's going to end up happening. We've seen it so many times in this league. Yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly some upside here just because you give, um, you find a quarterback on a rookie deal. Um, you know, again, my point here is the benefits of a rookie deal, like it has to include the fact that you're able to surround that t- player, that quarterback with premier talent and i just question how they're going to be able to do that without a first round pick next year i mean yep they're well, down well, a first round you know scott yeah, second scott, round pick. scott will end up getting one somehow i mean they'll they'll do something <laughs> i mean how are you gonna get it trading brian burns i get you know what I, i'll i'll be honest with you i love burns but I, I don't know if they're stopping here in terms of veterans now that's nothing i'm hearing but i, I it would not shock me a bit if another veteran player got traded either this year or after this season I just wouldn't be shocked. And again, part of my thinking on why I would rather have Brian Burns traded than DJ Moore is because I saw what Evero was able to do in Denver when they traded Bradley Chubb. 
they had Nick Benito and Jacob Martin and a bunch of like just rotational edge rushers consistently making a difference. And that proved to me that he is an elite defensive schemer, uh, despite not having a very good edge rusher. Right. I, I certainly don't want to trade JC Horn, but, but I I mean I don't know if that's a possible. I hope it's not a possibility because I mean I'd rather keep Horn than Burns. If you're asking me who would, you know, what I'd rather have between the two, because especially in Everos, I defense. think yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd rather have like a good secondary um, in, in this defense than a good front seven. Now, if we're talking about a different type of defense, like a Sean McDermott type, then yeah, maybe I'd rather keep Burns. But um, but yeah, John, I just I, I feel like with DJ Moore and. Uh, I've been very clear, like there, he's just because I don't think he runs elite routes like Justin Jefferson or Keenan Allen. I mean, it does not take away the fact that he is, uh, in my opinion, a borderline top ten. Now, again, we're all going to have different rankings, and and that's what it is. Uh, I just feel like there are there's more to his game that has not been tapped, and a lot of that has to do with the quarterback. And so I felt like if you give him the opportunity to play and support a rookie QB, then that it does two things. The first thing it does, it it eliminates the quarterback's bad habits. You don't want a quarterback coming in here and developing bad habits and that festering on year over year. So if you give him a safety valve like DJ Moore, then you're quickly installing the confident you're giving him the confidence and you're giving him um, a lot of room to work through his mistakes now without that type of safety valve you're kind of losing your margin in, in some ways and yeah, so you really are and that, that's i think that's why tight end is critical here because i don't see it for me and thomas i don't see it trimble is you know, like the Trey Burton of this the Frank Reich scheme. He, he's going to, you know, be the inline guy who can do a little bit of everything. And I like him. And, you know, Ian can block too. They they paid him pretty decent money to be, you know, what he is. So, you know, can't go back on that. Um, maybe his athleticism will take a step up. You can't bank on that. I think they've got to be aggressive at some point, even though I, I just 10 minutes ago said, take your time, be patient. You have to give this quarterback something. They, the, the offensive line, here's the other thing too. If it's going to be Young or, or Stroud, which I assume it's going to be one of those two guys. Um, I hope you're mentioning what I think you're going to mention. Well, I think the offensive line, again, Bozeman, you got to decide what you're going to do there. And, Billy, you and I talked about this. You can't bank on 17 weeks of health like they did last year. You can't. There, there there's is- that. And there's one thing that you mentioned all year to me, John. This offensive line is good, but it has not proven – they to be good at pass protection. They have not been tested. I mean, the the the, the one thing remember when we we talked about the Rams game and people were sending out that PFF tweet about Akeem Aquano's ninety six grade or whatever it was, and I'm like, folks, I think half <laughs> the passes in that game were thrown about five yards behind the line of scrimmage, and I'm not. No, I love Icky, man. He has a role in this offense. But this is going to be a big year for him too. You've got the, the franchise at number one overall. He is your. He is. Your, you have spent a lot to get this guy. Aquanu has to have a big year and he has to hold up because Reich is going to want to be vertical with his game. I know a lot of it's West Coast concepts, but they're they're going to need him to hold up. It ain't going to be you know five yard pop passes to Lavisca Chenault three times a game. We're going to see a lot more 
true pass sets out of 79 out there at left tackle, and I like him a lot. But let's be careful about, number one, thinking this offensive line is elite as a group. They're not quite there yet as a whole group. And number two, the health thing. They better have good depth. They better have a plan because right now I'm telling you, you will not have another year like you saw last year. That's why I was, you know, when they kept winning and they kept getting into a position where they could challenge for a playoff position, you know, I was ignoring the draft position. Maybe it was fool's goal, but I was like, look, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We've got a line that is pretty good that stayed this healthy this long. But then we saw week 17 or week 18, Billy, when we went to New Orleans, and it all started crumbling. Corbett got hurt. I think Brady got hurt. And it's like, oh, boy. Oh, this is what it looks like again. It can change in a heartbeat. So hopefully you've got a real staff in there now. And this is no knock on Wilkes. I'm talking about rule. Um, you've got some real bona fide NFL coaches in there, and Campen's a good one too. But, yeah, I mean, look, I'm concerned about the offensive line in so much that you got to be ready to step in when guys get hurt. Week one, week two, week three, what if Aquana goes down? You know, what, what if Taylor Moten, who they just restructured, goes down? Then you've got a whole other mess on your hands, and you've got a brand-new quarterback, whether it's Young, whether it's Stroud, trying to figure it out on the run. So you damn well better have a safety valve, whether it's in the backfield or whether it's a tight end or both, who are pass-catching specialists. And I don't think they have that right now. I just don't. No, I, I agree. And uh, personally, the way I would go about it, I would rather sign a free agent tight end just because um, we've seen over the years that the tight end position, it takes a few years to develop. Sure, yeah. Uh, and, and so I really like this tight end class. I think it's, in, in some ways, it's a little overrated, but it's still the best um, skill talent class in the 2023 draft. And so I would rather go out and sign a tight end now. Again, I've been very vocal. I'm not a huge fan of guys like Schultz and Gesicki. Um, I think Tanyan would be a decent option. He's pretty underrated. Uh, but I don't know. He probably will go wherever Aaron Rodgers goes. So l- let's just um, kind of – I just want to be clear and – a lot of my issues here uh, just mainly stem from uh, the inclusion of DJ Moore. And a lot of people are saying it's very easy to find wide receiver ones. Um, I would just, I would follow up with this. If it was easy, then the Chicago bears wouldn't have taken three years to find their wide receiver one. All right. And, and that's just my whole thing. And people can view that however they like. I just feel like there's, still upside to keeping a um, good rookie quarterback or excuse me, a rookie quarterback, giving him the infrastructure possible for him to succeed. And I, I think that I'm glad you mentioned the offensive line thing, because a lot of their success last year came on the ground. Uh, they, they really prove that they are a formidable run blocking unit, but pass pro it, it remains to be seen. And when you're playing for uh, a Frank Reich offense, there's going to be a lot of, um, He's going to call out passes. It's it's not going to be the uh, traditional 25, 30 runs that Steve Wilkes and Ben McAdoo were dialing up. It's You're going to throw the ball, and no matter what the situation of the game. Uh, so ultimately, John, uh, that's the bed they made. I Again, I think that there's also a question about what happens next year if this doesn't really go to plan and again i I don't don't want to bring up the negative i'm just asking questions like sure yeah like what did you have to do this this year and could you have waited another year to potentially like go out and sign someone like a um or excuse me at least try to rebuild your way into 
a situation where um, you pursue one of the quarterbacks in the 2024 class. Uh, I again, personally, I feel like the those guys in that class are better than anyone in here, um, and that's just my take. And and this kind of is a good transition uh, for us to discuss the two guys that are currently being projected to go number one overall cj stroud and bryce young I, I, we spoke a little bit about bryce um you know with stroud i think he's it's, it's a very difficult conversation with him because of i think the people who make the point that the ohio state scheme and the skill talent even their offensive line i mean two of their offensive tackles are projected to go on the first day of the draft yep. and their center Luke Weipler is a potential day two pick. So I, I mean, this is like Joe Burrow versus this is like Joe Burrow, 2019 type offense. I personally believe Burrow was better and he clearly showed that in 2019. But what are your thoughts on Stroud as a whole? Because I think that you need to, he's the kind of guy that I strongly believe for him to have success. He needs talent around him. I, I can see a situation where maybe you don't have elite talent around Bryce Young and he's still successful because he showed it at Alabama uh, his last year, but I don't know if that's the case with Stroud. Well, I think you're onto the right track here because one thing you value is the tape, and I, I think I'm the same way. Um, we've talked about that for a couple of years now. It's just, we, we're tape junkies and we like to look at film, and that's what we've done with these prospects. And I'm, I'll be very honest with you, I'm about halfway through my tape evals on, like, each of these guys. So um, when you're 6'3", 214, the, the prototypical Frank Wright quarterback, that's what you think, and that's kind of where it comes back to. Um, there, there's been a lot of comparisons to Joe Burrow. And like you said, you know, there, there's also been the whole thing about, well, the Ohio State quarterbacks have failed. I, I try to get block out all that noise and just kind of look at things within the framework and structure of what it is in the moment. They had a lot of talent there at Ohio State. They had guys to throw to. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., you mentioned uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is just uh, an amazing player in the slot. And you've seen the player comps. You've seen some people compare him to Burr. You've seen some Justin Herbert comps. You've got the height, obviously, that you want from a quarterback in the pocket. You've got uh, good things going on in terms of arm acumen, which I call. I mean, it doesn't have to be a guy that throws the ball 70 yards on his knees like Kyle Bowler. That's not what I need. Um, what I what I do need is a quarterback who can see the field, process NFL defenses, and hit windows with accuracy. I think Young's a little better in that department, uh, just a slight better in terms of anticipation, in terms of seeing the field, even at his height, and throwing with a sense of anticipation uh, is really his game. But Stroud, look, I mean, look, the, the scheme is quarterback friendly, like he talked about with Ryan Day there. Um, NFL-level talent has been all over the place. Now, you could say the same thing about Burrow at LSU, that things were schemed up nicely for him. But I do agree there is a slight difference. I think Burrow projected a little bit higher from a consensus level as a quarterback going into the draft than Stroud does. Um, he's tough. He's big. Like I said, th that that's what gets me with Stroud. I look at size. I look at the, the ability on the short to intermediate stuff. He has really good zip and placement on that stuff. You saw in the combine, look, I just want to say this. The combine is a good exercise, but as guys have told me and you know people who do this for a living actually with teams – it's just a confirmation 
of either what you know or what you don't know, and you move on and you put it's one more thing you file away. It's not the end-all, be-all. So watching these guys throwing at the combine or running or, or, you know, what Richardson did, it's amazing stuff. You add it to your scouting report, but it's not what decides everything for you. Um, I thought his tape against Georgia was exceptional, and I think there's value in that. I think what you saw there was his ability to sort of what he holds in reserve is his mobility, and he used that a little bit more. Um, He drives the ball through tight windows. I love seeing that. So, yeah, I think he can work very nicely in Frank Reich's offense, but like you said, you got to wonder because there are some things to look at. Whenever you see a quarterback comes from a very QB-friendly system who has had what we call college open type of throws. The windows do tighten up in the NFL. So I do wonder how that's going to translate, but I I would put it like right now, if you had to ask me today in the middle of March or close to the middle of March, I I would favor him slightly over young, just based on the frame, just based on what he brings in terms of his physical makeup. But I mean, they're, they're right there neck and neck. The big question is, are either worth giving up all they gave up to get to number one. And that's ultimately what no. we're going to have to find out. I, I think you're you're steadfast and it's not. I, I To be determined for me, but I, I've talked about for months that I still have a lot of questions about each of these quarterbacks. So clearly when you move all the way up to one and you're giving up that many assets and a veteran player who averaged 1,000 yards receiving under a dumpster fire of rotating coaches and coordinators over the past three years, yeah, that's a lot to give up. So it's worth scrutinizing and anybody who calls us out for scrutinizing us we're not in here peddling hope we're here telling the truth that's just where we come from we're giving honest assessments here yeah i would agree with that and again if this was caleb williams or trevor lawrence or joe burrow or heck even uh you know i personally thought i mean deshaun watson was worthy number one overall back in 2017 without yeah. knowing his off-field stuff um Hey, yeah, I mean, John. Real, real quick, real quick, though. Let me just, and before we get off back on Young and Shroud, where are you at with Lamar? Because no, nobody. Oh, gosh. To, I mean, Don't even get me started well, on that. Would you have given up the tender, the two, the two first rounders, in, before you did this? Would you have gone that route before doing this? Without question. Yeah. That's because a with lot, Lamar lot Jackson. Nobody's talking about that, really. And it just came to mind this morning. No, without question, I would have. Now, other people, they have their opinions on Lamar. I personally believe that Lamar Jackson is an elite thrower of the football. I don't care what people say and what kind of narratives they try to spin. So let's just think about it in a couple ways. You sign Lamar to that big deal. Yeah, you're going to personally, I mean, you have plenty of cap room next year. You can kind of structure it to be low in year one, but uh, you give up the ninth overall pick and you also give up a 2024 first rounder, but you still have that second rounder in 2024. You you still have DJ Moore. And from there you have the the peace of mind of knowing, even though he's been banged up, you know what you've seen on tape at the NFL level and you know, you can work around that. So I, I, I suppose Frank and the people in that building, he's 26 years old. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's barely old. Two years older than Will Levis. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, no, the, I I would have puzzling. certainly pursued that. Obviously, they felt differently, which I don't agree with. I mean, they weren't even going to speak to him. Um, again, I disagree with that approach. But hey, I'm you and I aren't paid. paid you know, he needs to hire a damn agent. I'm sorry, he needs to get himself an agent. I hate it for him, but I mean, these he's not making. Yeah, I agree. He should probably hire an agent. Um, 
But yeah, so again, with, with Stroud, I just think like it's going to be, I'm just curious and fascinated to see how they're able to uh, surround him with the talent that is necessary for him to succeed. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. How do you surround a quarterback with the right amount of talent? When Justin Herbert came into the NFL, he had Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, Hunter Henry. Yep. I mean, his offensive line wasn't great, but that, I think a lot of those skilled players that I just mentioned helped him and it didn't necessarily, um, he didn't develop the bad habits that people were concerned with. Hey, when Dolph- Joe, again, Dolph- we already mentioned the Dolphins had to go out and buy Tyreek Hill to make two a look, and the, they had to draft a Jalen Waddle a year before that. Yeah, and so they had, yeah, they they loaded and and two even him, and that's back to the point about Bryce Young again. You know, I, I like Bryce. I'm not doing the Alabama Ohio State comp thing. I'm doing you know framework. Who are you? What are you made up of physically? Um, Similar throwers, similar type of quarterbacks. I, I think Tua's got a, a better frame, but similar height, and you know he can't stay healthy. So I, that that concerns me about Bryce. Other than that, I love Young. I mean, I'd have to go back and look at his tape some more. But some of the clips that you've posted, some others out there, man, they just he is a magician back there. So I'm, I I I have no idea who they want to get, but um, but your point about having guys yeah, ready, it, locked and loaded, Newton, even Cam. They had a great, you know, one of the things, you know, Ron did a lot of things we didn't like. I know but one of the things they did his rookie year is I believe they talked to Gus Malzahn in the offseason. And they said, look, let's let's incorporate some of what Newton does from a college level early on. But they came out firing with Chudzinski. They were going verticals. They had Smith. They had Olsen. They had Shockey. Even guys like LaFell, who were decent number two guys at the time. Um, you had Williams. You had Stewart. You had the screen game going. Um the cupboard is pretty bare right now, Billy, in terms of skill positions with this team. It's it's really bare. So they've got to do something. Again, unless you trade Brian Burns or, I don't know, even J.C. Horn for whatever reason. Again, I don't know who you trade. Yeah, But would, unless you get back first-round picks, I would stop doing I that. I do not. <laughs> what, what was that? I, I would I would stop trading away good players. I just <laughs> build your core. I mean, it is, I, you, you just maybe... The Burns thing will come up, but Horn, I, you, you mentioned Horn. God, that makes my skin crawl thinking about trading him. Wait, I'm, I'm just trying to think of ways how this I team know. can surround whoever the quarterback ends up being I with. I agree. The necessary skill talent. Like, yeah, like, I just don't think you can win in the NFL without a very good um, wide receiver in core. Uh, I, I just don't think it, it. it's it's not the, again, you can't just be the 2000 19 Titans, and again, they had a MVP caliber season from Derrick Henry, but we don't even have a, a Derrick Henry on our roster unless, you know, some people feel like Chuba Hubbard is that guy. I don't, no, with all not. due respect. He's not that guy. <laughs> he's not, Chuba Hubbard's a fine player, but he's not Derrick Henry. Um, but yeah, man, like overall, like it is, uh, this is a move they made, and ultimately, like you said, they have to be right because honestly, like, I'm not saying that they should win a division. I'm not saying that at all. But given the state of the entire NFC and the division, I think it's fair to want to to make expectations a little bigger. And if your expectations are going to be that, oh, we're going to be only a five to six win team next year, then why not trade Brian Burns or whoever to give yourself the capital to potentially improve the overall roster. Yeah. That's just my whole thing. I don't know what they're going to be, but I don't, I hope they win 
eight to nine games next year. I mean, that's my ultimate hope. Are they going to reach that? I don't know. I mean, what are your what, what do you what do you think are fair expectations for a rookie in 2023? Well, it's like I said at the top. I, I think you've got to manage those expectations now. Obviously, I, I we don't know the full extent of what the schedule looks like. We don't know the full extent of what free agency holds, but. Get given where they are with their cap, I don't think they're going to be overly aggressive this year and overextend. You got to remember they got dead money. I, let me put this in perspective: they have seventeen over seventeen percent of their cap hit this year is dead money that comes from Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson. So you've got to counter that by understanding you know, whoa, we've got some cap space. We're like you, Field Yates puts that chart out, and I, I love him for it of cap room for this year. You got to account for the dead money as well. And there's a lot of it right now. I think they're like third in dead money. So I would be careful this year. I would add maybe one wide receiver, one tight end through free agency. At you know the tight end one, I, I wouldn't be afraid to spend a little bigger there. Maybe Dalton Schultz. Maybe it's Gasecki. Maybe it's Hooper. I don't know who they prefer. But there's actually, some... let me ask you this, John. Okay. What would you do to surround the skill to surround the quarterback? Like let, let's say you're the GM, and, and you have all the resources that we've mentioned. This year, just this year alone, what would you do personally? I would add a tight end. I would, I would, I would go get Gasecki right now, or or Dalton Schultz. I that would be the first move I make in free agency, and you know it's not going to come cheap. But once again, the, a, a, a rookie quarterback's best friend, especially the ones we're talking about, is going to be somebody who can play in line, but mostly detached, who can be at the middle of the field, who can read zones, who can know how to sit down in the right places and threaten the middle of the field. You need that. And if they don't go back and re-sign Foreman, and I don't know if they will or not, you find yourself a back. Maybe it's from the Philly stable that, that can be a good screen, pass catcher, swing routes, whatever it might be. And I, I would be careful about overspending there. Find somebody maybe with that second pick you have in the draft that can be an offensive cog. And then, you know, once again, we, we keep talking about quarterback, 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 but they're going to be really thin at linebacker. They just released Damian Wilson, uh, Shaq, Look, he's been up and down, and I love him, but there's no guarantees he's going to be around. So you got to nope. be prepared, and you got to get better on the defensive line. They need another edge guy. Uh, you know, Draymond Jones inside. Maybe they make a move for him, but that's not going to be cheap. Um, that's going to be eighteen million a year. Supposedly. Yeah, they just restructured Xavier Woods, but there's no guarantee they won't go out in the safety market, which is really deep this year, and try to add somebody there. You need to make sure your return game is solidified. You know, Andre Roberts didn't look great last year, but he, I believe, is a free agent. There's little things there. The kicking game. I guess you, you lean Pinheiro now. I mean, we can go across the board, but if I'm looking at offense, I, I need somebody in that backfield who can catch the football and can be a threat in the screen game, but also on some of those angle choice routes, and I need a tight end. I, I absolutely need a, a threat at tight end, and then I'll worry about receiver on the second level of that. And I hate to be that way, but I just don't think you can do it all in one year. I don't. You pay the price by giving up DJ Moore. You can't go get Hopkins. I Unless you... Look, the Cardinals could use an edge rusher. Maybe that's where Brian Burns enters the chat. But then who's rushing the no, pass no, at that no, point? No, no, no. Yeah, I just... Again. Trade him for picks if that's the way you're going to go. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But I'm just saying that, you know, eventually at some point... If you want to go trade for another player like like a Hopkins, and I doubt they're going to do that, but maybe they do. I'd love to have him on this team. Don't get me wrong. Um, there, there's a chemistry element to this too. That's going to it's a full reset where you're bringing in a guy. How does Young fit the chemistry element of what Frank Reich wants? How does Stroud fit that? Personality is a big thing too. So 
you you got to factor that in as well. For expectations right now, I would say, look, seven to nine wins. That That's where I have them at the moment. And year two is where it takes off for most of these rookies if you do it right. And they need to do it right in year one by not overextending and having the freedom in year two to be able to go out, much like Jacksonville did. Now, you can disagree or agree with what they did with Christian Kirk, but it worked out for their favor. And you, you got to be ready to be able to stomp on it in year two. I just don't think you can bite it all off in year one. Now, they could surprise some people by virtue of the coaching staff they have, coach some of these younger guys up. But once again, it's a very competitive league, and uh, you know we're going to see what happens. Yeah, personally, I would also um, sign a tight end, whichever one it is. I've, again, had my quarrels with the two top guys as players in the past, but at this point, you've made your bed, and you have a very limited amount of resources so you should approach and pursue either schultz or gesicki and at 39 i would draft a wide receiver um yeah i haven't done my full rankings yet but if uh zay flowers or josh downs or tyler scott i think scott is one of the more underrated ones greg coselius um the other day was talking up jonathan mingo as a potential aj brown Debo Samuel type player. I think he would be an outstanding choice at number 39. I think those are your options. I think you have to, you have to draft multiple. You have to sign and draft at least three new wide receivers. Yeah. Three. That's the minimum. And I would personally use the draft as a way to search for those receivers. I don't, I'm not impressed at all by this free agent wide receiver class. I think that, for as much issue I have with the draft class, I would rather take the chances there because you can find better talent. So that's how I would approach it. So we'll see what happens. I mean, there's 47 days. I think it's 46 now until the NFL draft, and there's a lot to digest there. But, hey, we're here to offer opinions and perspective, not to peddle hope. So hopefully we gave you some information that's valuable. And if not, eh, whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. For Billy Marshall, I'm John Ellis. Thanks again for listening to the Roar Podcast right here on Blue Wire. We'll see you next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.